0: Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I like to talk about teaching, whether it's stories and ideas from my own classrooms or lessons I've learned from other educators. I just love to explore different ways to help students grow and thrive in school, but also for their educators too as well. And so that's what this podcast is. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can we lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom. We're back. It's been a summer. Oh, And if you are just listening for the very first time, thanks for tuning into the podcast. We're starting to get our legs here and figure out what this podcast is all about. But then also, if you have listened to it before, um, it's been a few months because it's been summer. And uh, this summer has been so good, so busy, also so restful, um, but also I, I used it personally in my own life to take a nice big break from certain things, not because I don't love those things, but because sometimes you got to just rest and recuperate a little bit so that you can kind of feel that creativity cut back up, right? Like, it not it's not that there's this... F- Finality or this finite nature to creativity. But man, sometimes when you're just going, 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 it starts to wane a little bit and you just kind of have to fill it back up. And for me, that happens um, from taking little breaks from certain things or maybe uh, just finding time to rest and not think about. Um, the content that I'm creating or the project I'm working on or that whatever it is, but just taking a break and having some fun. And that's what this summer has been is a little bit of all of that. Um, and now I'm just feeling filled up and ready to dive in to some new podcast episodes. And I've been making lots of videos lately and writing and it's all just it's all feeling good and it's clicking on top of all the other stuff I'm doing. And so it's just been good and I am excited to be back in the podcast room at the downtown library in Ada, Michigan. Again, where they made an entire room dedicated to recording podcasts. It's nice to sit in here for the first time, I think, since May. Uh, but uh, I'm excited to be back to doing this. I'm excited for a little bit of routine and structure as uh, as summer break comes to an end. And, I'm, of course, when I say summer break, I'm talking to my American friends or anybody out here in the West who takes a summer holiday and that happens through the months of June through August. Um, That's what it's been here. And now we're starting to kick back into the school season. Um, And as I said, it's been a restful but then also busy summer. The month of June was largely me being in workshops and doing keynotes and conferences all over the place. And it was so, so good from being in Indiana to Los Angeles to Kentucky to all these different places. Getting to be with teachers all over June was just the best. And I'm going to do a whole podcast pretty soon about what I'm learning from getting to be with so many dif- different teachers in so many different areas. It's just, it's been so profound, the lessons I've learned from educators uh, this summer. And so that's what June was. And then in July, which is often a busy month, I, my wife and I decided, you know what, let's, let's just take July off. Or like, for, for my thing, for all the speaking I do and presenting and, and writing, what if this sounds crazy, what if you took a month off in like the busiest time of the year? Like, is that stupid? Maybe, but boy, would it be good to just like spend a month, or at least most of a month, just playing with the kids and going fishing and going camping and and getting projects done around the house and just not thinking about all the things I think about most of the time as it comes as, as it relates to work. What if you just took a month off of all of that? What would that do for you? And so that's what July Was after a very busy June, most of July uh, was just restful, and it was so so good. Oh my gosh, it was good. You know, one of the last things I did in June, I got to speak out at the R and R conference in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hello, my friends out there. So I got to be out there uh, in Davis, and then from there, my family came with me. So I did this this opening keynote at the conference, and then after the conference, we got in a rental car and we drove from Salt Lake City down to Moab, where we saw arches and Hiked through the desert and rented a Jeep and whitewater rafting on the Colorado River. And it was like the most epic family vacation because then from there we road tripped all through Colorado and stopped in Aspen and Snowmass and Denver. And it was just glorious and it was just classic. And my kids are at the perfect age for it. And so it was just so good. And then that led into July, which was just more rest and fun, and then August came back, and it's back-to-school season, so I've been doing lots of back-to-school kickoffs and workshops, and that has just been so good, because I've got a cup uh, that's been filled up by the month of July, and now it gets to overflow a little bit, so anyway, that's a little bit where I'm at. I still have a busy month ahead, but I am home for a few days, and so I thought, why not kick off this old podcast again? It's been a little bit, so enough about me let's talk about starting the school year and the thing i want to talk about mostly here um, because i've got a lot of stuff where i share different ideas for kicking off the school year and if you want to dive into that specifics um, i could do a whole podcast on it um, and maybe i should But not today, Uh, but if you want to dive deeper into that, I've got lots of stuff on the internet. So you can go to my website at trevormircom slash best dash first dash week. And uh, I have a resource on there where I've just taken all of my favorite lesson plans to start the school year. Um, And, and, you know, some of them are icebreakerish, but they're all very purposeful icebreakers. We're going to talk about that in a moment, actually. Um, Some are writing assignments, some are service projects, different things you can do at the beginning of the school year. A, A procedure designing activity, all about laying a really strong foundation with your students so that all of the learning that takes place after the first week of the school year is rich and you have more engaged students. Um, so I've, I've got that resource online right now at slash best first week. Or you can just Google it. I'm sure that would pop up as well. Actually, you know what? I will put the link in the show notes if you're interested, and uh, feel free to check that out. So I don't need to share all of those ideas. I thought about it, but I thought instead let's let's stay up at like thirty thousand feet for this podcast episode. Maybe we'll dip into closer to the ground a little bit. But I really want to talk about classroom climate, like creating an atmosphere where students are ready to learn and engage in your classroom. I think there's a difference between classroom climate and classroom culture. Classroom culture, it really like encompasses like shared values and behaviors and interactions that really contribute to the climate, the overall atmosphere. Whereas the climate, you know, that really emphasizes kind of like the vibe. Of a classroom, you know, it, it's it's really more about what is it? Do I have an environment in my classroom? That really emphasizes my students' comfort and safety to learn in. And and is it a space where they are emotionally and psychologically safe to engage in the learning? And I think when we think about it this way, the culture are kind of a little bit more of the details. Here's the behaviors that we have. Here's the values that we share together. Here's some systems we have in place that everybody's aware of and that helps form the culture and how everyone contributes to the classroom. The climate is about what is this space like that allows that culture to thrive. And so I just want to share some different ways that we can really set up a classroom climate an atmosphere where every single student feels like this is their space. This is their class that they are a part of and they can contribute in and they can be a part of that culture that's there. But first, it starts with climate and creating that atmosphere. And so I just wanna talk about it. What, what are some ways to create this vibe? Because it really is about a vibe. And I bet even if you haven't put language to it before, I bet you've noticed that your class has a vibe to it. And I bet many of the classrooms that you have been in in your life, whether as a student or as a teacher or as an observer of some other educator, you've noticed that classrooms do carry this vibe. You know, I had a, um, when, I, when I was a student teacher, my mentor teacher, I actually we did a whole podcast interview. The only interview I've done so far for this podcast was with the, the, the one and only great Sherry Steelman who just um, retired from teaching at least full time. She's still doing lots and lots of other really cool stuff. But she would just retired after her 50th year as a teacher, 50 years in the classroom. Um, somehow she started teaching when she was only five years old, I, I'm guessing. She's like the Doogie Howser of teachers. But she's been doing it for 50 years. And I remember when I was student teaching for Sherry and the many, many times I have visited her classroom since, um, there's just this climate to her room, it's a vibe, and, and she sets it up that way before students even walk into the room. You know, she does not, at least when I was there, she never used the fluorescent lighting in her room. She had lamps around the room with the right wattage to be able to cast enough light where nobody's having to squint when they read, but it's also, it's a yellow light. You know, it, it provides this, it just it's a little bit more pleasing to the eye when you walk by her classroom and you look in and you see these lights, it looks a little bit more like a coffee shop than a classroom. And I know that's not a a completely original idea. Lots of teachers do this, but I think there's an intentionality to it. You feel a certain way when you're not just under these fluorescent lights when you're not feeling like you're in a laboratory or a or a, a factory but instead you're in a space that feels warm and inclusive in that way and so it, it, even before students walk in you can set up your climate like that sherry also you still every single day in the morning one of her very first tasks when she would come into the classroom is brew a pot of hazelnut coffee and she would drink a little bit of it and she always shared it with me but honestly, one of the primary reasons she had this hazelnut coffee is that it smelled really, really good. In the whole room, every time you walked into Sherry's room, heck, anytime you walked past Sherry's classroom, you could smell the hazelnut just wafting in, and then you'd smell it, and you'd peek in there, and you'd see all of these lights set up that she would turn on in the morning and that's how the room was lit and you could smell the coffee and she always had all of her books just on display. She never put a book in a closet. It was always on the walls and so not only were these books there for the taking from students but they also just contributed to this climate. It just set the tone for the classroom. She had a vibe, right? Like and, and, and I think all classrooms have it and sometimes the vibe isn't necessarily as warm and cozy as Sherry. Sometimes the vibe might be really bright and exciting and and I know there's there's pros and cons to having a busy classroom. You know, I probably lean towards busy. I, I, I having lots of color and adventure and excitement on the walls. Some classrooms might be more subdued. And and I get both sides of it. I think the excitement is, it's like, yeah, hey, guess what? In this classroom, we're going to be making things, and we'll put it on the walls, and, and I want you to be vibrant and creative, and we're going to try to inspire that by having lots of media all over the place. I get that. Um, but you, maybe you keep it more subdued, because you know, oh, there's some students who might get really distracted by too much on the walls. Maybe... I have neurodivergent students, uh, students who have autism or ADHD, and maybe there would be too much for them, and so I have to, I tone it down in that way. Whatever it is, and that's a whole debate you can have, I, there's intentionality to it. And so maybe the first thing I want to say as we talk about climate is intentionality. Knowing that the choices we make, how we decorate our classrooms, how we brew pots of coffee, maybe it's the music you play in your room. Sherry always seemed to have like symphony music, something really soft that just kind of sets that vibe, that climate when you walk in like, okay, this isn't a place that I'm going to be wild in. This isn't a place I'm going to be disrespectful in this is a place that, that there seems to be some reverence. It's chill. And and so therefore students might act or at least be more predisposed to acting in a certain way because the space, the climate, sets it up for that. Um, you know, whereas, you know, I'm a big believer in playing music when kids come in the room it's easy most of us have the technology where you can just put on a youtube or a spotify or a playlist and play music through your classroom speakers music helps set the tone in really dynamic profound and easy ways you know like i I remember i used to uh, play eminem when when eminem was like really really big obviously i would play the Edited versions for my high school students. But playing Eminem, kids would come in and be like, all right, I'm kind of pumped up. This is fun. This is my music. Or you know, playing Taylor Swift, like, okay, well, yeah, we I like Taylor Swift. That's funny that Mr. Muir likes Taylor Swift too. And I'm always like, yeah, who doesn't like Taylor Swift? Come on. But you know, just playing music, whether it's silly, whether it's quiet, whether it's the music that students like, it all communicates something. And that's the main idea when we're setting up a climate our intentional choices the posture that we have towards our classroom and we want our classroom to have towards our students should have intentionality to it Um, and and so think about that what are some ways that you can set up your classroom that's going to create a climate that you want in your classroom if you want an excited vibe to your room perhaps make choices that are going to get students excited about what they're going to do or if you want what sherry has if you want that coffee shop vibe if you want students to be a little bit more, maybe more introspective. And, and you want maybe a really discuss, discussion-rich classroom. Or uh, if, if you want students to really sink into reading time or independent work time, you know, some of the choices you make in setting up your classroom and creating that visual, that physical climate um, will go a long way with that. But also, you know, as we're thinking about the first week of school, as we're thinking about setting up a climate that is going to help students succeed the rest of that school year, um, I think it could also come down to just intentional, meaningful interactions that you have with students. And so I, I'd, I'd give you this challenge. In, if you, and if you've already had your first week, maybe adopt it here in week two or three. But in your first week of school, try to have at least one meaningful interaction with every single kid in every one of your classes. And, and, and that might seem like a tall order, especially maybe if you're teaching secondary, and you have 150 students, and, and that is a lot of students. That, that is a lot, that's probably too many, but that is the reality. I've, I've had it as well. If you've got 150 students, What are just some meaningful interactions? Not Nothing long, because there's there's reality, there's capacity, but is it possible to have at least an interaction with every single one of your students in the first week of school? And that might just mean learning what their name is and using it with them. If you see them, instead of just saying, hey, can you pass this forward? You can say, hey, Ryan, can you pass this forward? Because you know what students do, they start thinking like, oh, he knows my name? She already learned my name? And I know that like this isn't like some brilliant wisdom or this new idea out there. No, this is tried and true, but there's just so much value in using students' names or even asking simple questions like, hey, how was your summer? Or, hey, what w- what's your favorite book? Hey, we're gonna be doing lots of reading in here. What's your favorite book? Or, hey, math is gonna get a little bit more challenging in my class. Uh, how do you feel about math? I'm curious. Just little quick conversations. It could be greeting students at the door. Maybe on the very first day of school, before you get into anything else, you start a tradition. You say, hey, we always start class by sharing something good going on. So everybody in here will have up to three seconds to share a good thing. And tomorrow I'm gonna ask it again. So if you don't have anything good to share right now, no problem, I'm gonna ask you again tomorrow. And you only give them three seconds, because if you give them more than that, it's gonna take a long, long time and it'll waste too much time. Um, and, and I learned that the hard way, by the way. I used to always do good things and I would just not give it a time cap, because I'm like, oh, if the kid wants to share something good, I wanna give them time to do that. And then good things quickly turn into 10 minutes long. And in my 55-minute class, and that just didn't work. And so I'd say, all right, you have three seconds to share something good. Think about it. All right, raise your hand. Who's got something good? And then students get to share. Oh, this summer I went to South Dakota. Oh, I won my soccer game. Oh, I beat Fortnite. bad, nah, nobody cares. Um, whatever it is, oh, it's my mom's birthday. By the way, can we all agree, students of all ages love to share when it's their mom's birthday. It's like a holiday for them. So uh, whatever it is, maybe it's just starting with good things, but creating rituals that, that, that might work. But whatever it is, at its core, it's can we let students know that they are seen? Because right, like, like I said, this isn't original or it's not new, it's not even brilliant. It just stems from the fact that students work better in settings and climates where they feel safe and secure and seen. And we can start that on day one. We can let students know that, hey, I see you. You're in my classroom. Because I'll be 100% honest with you. I've gone through way too many school years where, gosh, it takes me a couple weeks, this month, over a month to learn every student's name. And if I'm not learning their name in the first month, I'm probably not having too many meaningful interactions with them. And so, and, uh, and of course, it's always a core thing for me to build relationships with students. And so I c- I'm not going to say, oh, I've ever made it through a whole school year without having meaningful interactions with students. But I have taken a few weeks before I've done that, out of capacity, out of a lack of intentionality in that part. But I've found more and more that when students know that, oh, this teacher who has lots and lots of students knows my name and has, has, has talked to me, has asked me a question, has shown interest in the fact that I am here in their classroom. When that happens, students seem to engage more and I cannot emphasize that point enough. And so take that challenge maybe. In the first week of school or maybe this next week of school try to have at least just one meaningful interaction with a a student and and see how that goes just letting them know that they are seen and that they are here and that you are ready for it Um, and so like uh, do that but also creating climate maybe an icebreaker is something really important to do you know if you go on Twitter right now which I don't know if you want to do that or not I uh, I'm so torn with social media You know social media is how i get to connect with so many educators all over the planet and i love it and it's it's just it's a crazy joy and it would not have happened without social media i wouldn't have been able to to have a podcast that anybody listens to or the opportunity to go to really neat schools and get to work with educators there if it weren't for viral videos and podcasts and emails and all all the stuff that i get to do because of the internet and so hey that's great But boy, do I not like a lot of it. Boy, do I not like the negativity and the divisiveness and and the distraction and what it's done to youth. And so I'm torn. Maybe we'll do a whole podcast on that too. I should just make a list of alternate podcast ideas that I come up with during podcasts. But the reason I brought up social media is if you go on Twitter right now, you're going to see lots and lots of negativity about the first week of school or, or the PD leading up to school. And, and listen, I get all of that. There is some PD out there that just seems wasteful of time. And, and there's professional development that just doesn't really seem to be moving the needle forward. And, and teachers would much rather use that time to be in their classrooms and getting ready and maybe collaborating with each other. And so I get all that. And one of the big loud knocks here right now, uh, and just go on Twitter, it doesn't take very much searching to see, is people are really tired of doing icebreakers at professional development and being asked to do icebreakers in the first week of school with students. And listen, before I say anything else, I hear you. <laughs> I mean, I, I think all of us get a little tired after a while of doing rock, paper, scissors, or putting a plunger on our head and having to swing something around or uh, asking other teachers in the room what their favorite color is. Listen, I get it. There's, there's, there's intentionality behind things, and if you run PD or professional development or a staff where you do any of the activities I just listed, listen... That is a broad statement because I know that good educators can find ways to bring meaning and usefulness and value to their activities. And so I'm not saying any of those are bad, but that is a general sentiment that educators are sick of doing activities that don't seem to serve a real purpose. So I get all that. But with that being said, there are activities, icebreakers even, that can really help create climate in your classroom. So I may have told you about this activity before. It's called the Don't Be the Missing Tape activity. I actually just made a video for it and put it online with all of the instructions how to do it. Um, uh, and and I'll, so I won't even go into all the detail now. You can check that in the show notes as well and try it yourself. It's one of my favorites. It's ones that I've done with students every single year at the beginning of the school year d- with kids from elementary all the way through higher ed. But I also do it with educators too right now. And it's not just to break things up and smash the ice. No. Uh it, it really teaches the idea of the importance of team members showing up and how to work together and the importance of communication. Essentially, I tell students, build a platform and uh, you can only use the, t- the, the tape popsicle sticks and yarn that I provide with you, but then I make a rule that you're not allowed to talk, so you have to do it silently, and then students get really frustrated with that, and then when they begin, and I start a 10-minute timer, I say, oh, can I have everybody bring the tape outside, so can I have one person from each group bring some tape, your team's tape outside, and then they go out into the hallway with it, everybody else keeps working, I close them out in the hallway, I give them something productive to do, but they take the tape away from their group, and the rest of the groups have to create their platforms without the tape, and it always, just fails miserably and they all get really mad at me because I'm like, guys, I cannot believe it. You are in high school now. How could you not build a single tower? Uh, And they're all like, cause you took our tape away or you didn't let us talk. And they get really frustrated and then I let them do it again, except this time they're allowed to talk and I don't take their tape away. And it goes splendidly and every group builds a tower and then we have a strong reflection afterwards. So we talk about why did it work the second time? And of course the answer is because we were allowed to communicate. And then we talk about why it's important that we communicate with each other in this class. And then they say, oh, it's because we had our, t- the supplies we needed. I'm like, okay. So the lesson here is, is we need everybody to bring the supplies necessary when we're working together. But more importantly, we need everybody to show up. We can't be successful when working in groups or collaborating if everyone isn't present. And so that is something we need to do this year. In fact, one year uh, after we did this icebreaker activity, the next day a student brought in this poster she made at home that said in big, bold, glittery letters, glittery letters, don't be the missing tape. And we put it up on the wall, and for the rest of that school year, we just kind of referenced back to it. We said, hey, don't be the missing tape. Be show up to your group, contribute, bring what you have to bring. And and so when we do this I'm like, okay, this is an icebreaker. This is a hands-on activity to get students moving around and and, and working together. But man, it's doing a lot more than breaking the ice. It's helping create a climate in my classroom. It's teaching them that, hey, this is an expectation in here. This is kind of the vibe of this classroom, that we work together, and it requires all of us to be there. The the, the climate of this classroom is that it's hands-on. It's not just me talking. You're going to be doing. You're going to be working. You're going to be using your hands. You're going to be using supplies. I'm trying to communicate that through the activity I plan for students. And so, listen, I get it. If you don't like doing icebreakers, I hear you. But sometimes doing purposeful, intentional activities to teach an idea or teach a skill or start a really strong discussion is really beneficial for students. And so I would suggest that if you haven't started your first week of school yet... Do the missing tape activity, or do something else. I don't know. I've told you about the the animal activity before, where you put students you put stickers on students' hands, and they can only find the other people with the similar stickers by making the sound of the animal that's on their hand. And so you've got all it, it whatever it is. There, look at past podcasts. The point is is that these crazy activities sometimes there's method behind the madness, and 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 so. I would suggest allotting time to have your students doing purposeful, meaningful, hands-on activities. Um, and there's uh, lots of other things we could do. I just, you know, maybe in the first week you have your students do some type of service project. Have them write letters and, and create pen pals with elderly in your community. Uh, maybe have them start a community garden. Maybe have them make a video talking about the different procedures of your classroom and what expectations are, and maybe at the end of the week you all watch the videos together. Anything about, and I know I keep using this word, but there's a reason for it, it's about intentionality. It's about intentionally creating a climate that students feel that they're safe in, that they can learn in, and that they want to engage in. And listen, I know a lot of people might say, well, I gotta get to content right away, or I've got a lot of subject matter I have to cover this year, and there is no way I can't not cover that the first week of school. I'd say, okay, I hear you. Could you maybe cover less of it the first week and make sure that there's still some intentional climate building happening? Is it possible that maybe you can actually forego some of that content and wait till week two. Is that it, Maybe that's a narrative we've invented that we have to cover it all in the first week. Maybe that's actually not true. And in doing so, by, by skipping this foundation building, instead of helping create a culture and climate where students can can work in and love being a part of, when, when we skip doing that, we're actually hurting the engagement that we have the rest of the school year. Um because that's what i found the more i'm able to invest in creating a space where students feel safe and secure and welcomed and excited to be in the more i can do that in the beginning the more that climate seems to stick the rest of the school year. And so there is a lot more we could talk about this and maybe we'll do a part two on this subject of creating a class climate. But for now I just leave you with that is how can you create this space? How can you create this climate? Maybe it just comes down to you being a little vulnerable and and sharing about your own life and sharing maybe some of your own struggles or your own story with the expectation or at least the hope that students are going to share their own and maybe that's part of your climate is that hey we're going to own our stories in this room. We're going to be vulnerable we're gonna talk about life in here Um, and you're doing this cuz yeah students need to learn to talk about life hey it's good for them to learn to talk about themselves and listen to others that's all good but we also know that there's this secret sauce that when you build relationships with students they engage more in our classrooms and so hey relationships climate it's not frivolous it's not just an add-on it's the foundation It's what we're building everything else on. And so let's start that first at the beginning of the school year and let's keep it going the rest of the time. So that is all I've got for you right now. My kids are getting really sick of waiting for me to be done recording this podcast. Usually, They go to school, and I find some space and time to come down here and record a podcast. But today, they are sitting so patiently watching their daddy record. And so I'm going to go play with them a little bit more before school starts on Monday. And uh, I hope you, my friends, whether you are already teaching the school year or you are gearing up for it, I hope you're feeling ready. I hope you're feeling filled and rested and uh, rejuvenated so that you can do the good work that you do. So whether you are a teacher or a counselor or an administrator, a parapro, a custodian, uh, a PTA member, school board, whatever you do, uh, I am grateful for the work that you do in our society. It is good, good work. And uh, I hope I get to see you soon in person. I'm going to be hopping around a little bit more as we kick off the school year and then things start mellowing out a little bit in September. So if I see you in person, I can't wait. And uh, if I don't see you in person, Hopefully I'll see you on the videos or this podcast or maybe in the future in person. All right, friends, my name is Trevor and this is the Epic Classroom Podcast. Talk to you next time.